0: Hey, murder lovers, my name is Mackenzie. This is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back.
1: So today I'm telling you it's definitely murder. We're not doing spooky. Um, At least I'm not doing spooky this episode. So this is about a case that took place in 2015. In 2015, uh, mind you, sorry if you hear page turning, I wrote this one down. So it's, uh, you might hear that in the background. So 2015, there was a family in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and it was a family of mom and dad and seven kids, very large family. The dad was 52 years old. He worked in IT and he had a job that allowed him to work from home because he wanted to be spending time with his family. That's nice. The mom also had a job. I don't know exactly what her work situation was like, but um, she was home as much as possible from what the records say. say. Now, the seven kids are 18-year-old Robert Bever, 15-year-old Michael, 12-year-old Daniel, 7-year-old Christopher, 5-year-old Victoria... 13-year-old Crystal, and 2-year-old Autumn. So, big range. Yeah. 18 to 2. They've been having kids for a minute. For a little while. So, from what I can... From what I gathered, they were a very religious family, and they they kind of just stayed to themselves. They lived in a big old house, of course. They had to have a big house because of all these kids. The two oldest boys shared a bedroom together. So, Robert and Michael shared a bedroom together. The kids were homeschooled, so they were not allowed to go to public school, and from what the neighbors said, the kids were never seen outside of their house for much, for long periods of time or just for any periods of time whatsoever. It sounds like the Turpins. Kind of. So yeah. they weren't allowed outside, and I think that was just their parents' way of not exposing their kids to outside Like, worldly things or world things, you know? Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, they did supply their kids with laptops, so the world kind of came indoors to them. That does tend to happen. with the two older boys, they... Robert did have a job at one point. He worked at a call center that was part of uh, the... It was a religious call center where someone would call in and give a prayer request. Yeah. And then he would write it down or he would himself make or say a prayer for them. So, so Robert and Michael Bever, because they were, you know, 18 and 15 years old at this time, they, and they had access to the internet. They had access to computers and online games. Michael, the younger one even has to this day, two YouTube videos that are posted of him talking about Fortnite and just these new updates that had come out and just how much he really liked the updates. And he liked how, Um, The game was going. So there's those things that seem very innocent and very um, appropriate for a 15-year-old at the time. Yeah. So nothing out of the norm, what it seems like to the outside world right now for for Michael. And Robert, um, unfortunately, I think what happened is he watched a movie called Rampage. It -hmm. was a low-budget movie that went straight to DVD. And... This movie Rampage is about a man who wants to go around the U.S. killing as many people as possible, anyone that's not serving a purpose in society. So, who
0: decides that?
1: (laughs) In the movie, he did. It's like I said, it's a really awful, low budget movie, but unfortunately, this influenced. Robert. This is one of the things that influenced Robert, and he had the same outlook. He started believing the same thing, that there's people in society that don't serve a purpose, and they need to be dealt with. What
0: a terrible, terrible perception on things.
1: Yep. So, Robert had watched this movie, and from there, once he learned that he could buy guns online and have them delivered to a local gun shop... He did just that. So, with the money, the little money that he had been earning by working at this call center, he was buying stuff online from eBay. He started building up his stockpile of things. Mm-hmm. He started buying like armor type things, like a he bulletproof. Became, he became a best. prepper. Uh, yeah. He had a, he bought a bulletproof bulletproof vest. He had bought, you know, helmets for him and his brother. So for him and Michael, they bought together vest, helmets, jackets, and 2,500 rounds of rifle ammunition and 500 shotgun shells. So he had those set to be delivered Mm -hmm. and they were set to be delivered on July 23rd, 2015.
0: So okay. because
1: of the timing of when these of when this stuff was going to be delivered, mm-hmm. he had set out a plan that they were going to go across the country killing people because he was obsessed with Columbine and with the Aurora theater shooting and with Ted Bundy and Dahmer he was obsessed with those cases.
0: I don't understand people that are ass- obsessed with those cases and they, in a good way, you know?
1: Right. And, and you know, I was talking about this with Cece. I was like, and, and she brought up a good point And she said, you know, there's a big difference between fascination and obsession. Yeah. And she goes like, you, and me, we're fascinated by these things. And this is why we talk about it. And mm-hmm. this is why we, you know, try to understand what's happening. But the obsession is, you know, borderline not borderline, this is what makes people commit these crimes because they try to emulate these people and they just yeah, try it's to it's just bizarre. He was trying to one up it. His goal was to have a higher count than the Columbine shooting. What a or terrible mm. than the Aurora shooting. So
0: I just don't understand that.
1: On at around eleven thirty On July twenty second, 2015, Robert called in his 13-year-old sister, Crystal, into their bedroom by the ruse of telling her that he had something to show her on his laptop. So she walked into the room innocently enough, and Michael's job was to distract her, Mm -hmm. and Robert came up behind his sister and slit her throat ear to ear. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh God. So Crystal then tried to stumble out of the room. C- the this mom... is not columbine. No. And the mom heard somewhat of a commotion. Oh. So then the mom approached the room trying to figure out what the hell was going mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. At this point she just saw her daughter laying there with blood on her and started screaming, Call nine one one, call nine one. At that point, Robert attacked the mom and stabbed her as well. What the hell? So in total, his mom was stabbed 48 times, 48 times on the head, neck, torso, arms, and hands. Because she had yelled, call 911, call 911, 12-year-old Daniel picked up Michael's cell phone that was in the living room. And called 911. He locked himself in one of the rooms. Mm. Smart boy. He He's calling 911. There is a 911 call where he's saying, we need help. My brother's attacking us. My brother's hurting us.
0: Oh, so he knew it was his brother. He
1: knew it was his brother at this point. He had only seen Robert, the 18-year-old older brother, attacking and attacking his mom. Mm. So he's saying, my brother's attacking us. The nine one one operator, for a second there, first she heard father. A couple of these kids do have a speech impediment, but quickly realized that he was trying to say brother, and you can hear it on the nine on the nine one one call, that the doors open, the phone is taken away from Daniel, and this is Michael, the fifteen year old that grabs the phone from him says hello. He realizes that Daniel had called 911, smashes the phone, proceeds to attack Daniel, the 12-year-old. He has a total of 21 stab wounds on his back, shoulders, and chest. Now, seven-year-old Christopher, because he's hearing all of this...
0: I just feel like this escalated so quickly. So, like,
1: so, so quickly. You know, so, like, they bought
0: ammunition and they started to attack their whole family. And I'm and like, we I'll, haven't
1: even laid the groundwork yet. And I'll circle back a little bit on why they did it, when they did it. So Christopher, seven-year-old Christopher, locked himself in a bathroom. And this part pisses me off more than anything. Michael knocked on the door to get Christopher to open the door He was telling him that he needed help because Robert was attacking him.
0: (gasps) He tricked his brother. So his
1: brother opened the door. Little seven-year-old thinking he was helping his older brother to get away from the oldest. As soon as he opened the door, he stabbed them in the throat. 21 times on the back, chest, shoulders, and lower leg. Now... The dad, because he was upstairs far away in one of the rooms, it wasn't until the four first stabbings had happened that he had enough. He was was asleep. Mm -hmm. He woke up. He came downstairs. And then they attacked him, too. And it is quoted saying that the dad said, you don't have to do this. And Robert, the 18-year-old, said, yes, I do. And continued to stab the dad a total of 28 times and the torso, face, neck, and left arm. So lots of stabbing happening. It's always interesting to me
0: too when a when a younger kid overpowers their dad. Yeah. Because you don't feel like that should be physically possible. Right.
1: You I know? know. I thought about that too.
0: Like, like you know, after my one um...
1: stab, can what do you do if they get something in on you? You know what I mean. Because of the 911 call, because it got disconnected without them knowing exactly where it was coming from, exactly who was on the phone when this call was happening, the they had to track the call down by the phone number. They tried calling the dad's number because it was registered to the home. No one answered. And they tried calling the house number as well, and no one answered. So by this time, even though they were trying to reach someone on the phone to confirm what is it exactly that's happening, because they don't know exactly what... Um, They had dispatched someone over there. Mm -hmm. So within minutes of the call happening, there was officers at the front door. Robert and Michael were still in the house. Matter of fact, when they heard the knocking on the door Mm -hmm. that it was police. So when they heard this, they grabbed their bags that were ready and full of crap. um, And they headed out their dad's office in the house into the backyard jump the fence and there was a small city park that was connected to their backyard beyond the fence mm-hmm. and they hid in a ditch. So they do that pause. I'm going to come back to the cops knocking on the door. So the cops are knocking on the door. They hear a very faint call for help. So at this point, the officer, he recalls now that he went into like full, like life or flight mode, like, he's gotta do something, so at that point, right, he went into rescue mode and he knocked down the door, like, the situation is, it warrants it, Yeah. so he knocked down the front door and right away he sees Crystal, the 13 year old even though her her throat is slit, and she is literally gurgling Mm. she points well, she says, it's my brothers, Michael and Robert that did this to us so, she still has yeah. her mindset to say that. So, at that point, they're like, is anyone else in the house? And lo and behold, they go room by room and find bloody situation after bloody situation. Until they find a back bedroom. And they, because they, they don't know that these boys have fled yet, mm-hmm. they are trying, they're thinking... There could be someone armed behind this locked door. Right. They knocked a door down. And the only thing that came out of this, it's like there was a two-year-old Autumn that was completely unharmed at that room. Oh, thank God. Yeah. So two-year-old Autumn, um, she was still sleeping in her room. Oh. And they take Crystal to the hospital. She's still alive at this point. I'm just going to jump forward. She makes it. Okay, thank God. Okay, she well, makes yeah, it. I figured since... Yeah. Yeah. So, it was... She was obviously critical for a while. Oh, wait, she I was, thought you were
0: talking about the two-year-old makes it. I was like, I hope so. Oh, she's yeah. unarmed. No, no, <laughs> Crystal,
1: the 13-year-old. Okay, the thank God. The first one attacked okay. um, because she was... Um, her throat was slit and she had stab wounds to her stomach and to her arms. She was in critical condition. They did all kinds of surgeries, but she is alive and well. So... Obviously, they know that it's the brothers, right? Mm -hmm. So, right away, they have canines come out. This is in Sleepy Town, Broken Arrow, like everyone says. It's like, they don't expect this. So, when something like this happened, the whole cavalry is like, everyone's on this. So, they brought out the canines, and right away, they realized that they went out the back door. Within 30 minutes of the 911 call, the boys were in custody.
0: They were hiding,
1: literally probably shitting their pants in a ditch, um, they were completely bloodied up. I'll show you pictures of it because it's absolutely disgusting. Robert, the 18-year-old, right before they heard, they said that they were in the ditch and they heard the canines coming and the just like people and searching coming for them, that they decided they weren't going to put up a fight, that they were just going to go ahead and turn themselves in. And once they were actually put in handcuffs and brought up to where the cop cars were and whatnot, they took pictures of them to just to document as they were. Yeah. And Robert has the most disgusting smirk on his face. Can I Google
0: it now? Huh? Can I Google now? You told me not to Google, so can I Google?
1: Oh, I have the pictures. Okay. Why does he look so happy with himself? He is so happy with himself. He told... I just want to smack him. So, as they were in the ditch and the canines were closing in on them, Robert reportedly told Michael that whatever happens now, he's very satisfied with the work that they did and he was happy to have him by his side for it. Ew! Ew! I mean... Ew! But do you see also he has a bulletproof vest on. He's covered in blood. And that was just what soaked through the shirt. Oh, God. And... I hate him. This is the 15-year-old. Is he not wearing a shirt? It's ripped because they were running through fences Mm. and trying to get into the ditch and whatnot. Oh, my God. So... Why would you do that? He's a baby. Well, not really. So... They appreh- won't be tried as one, that's for sure. So they get apprehended right away. And what's really interesting about this is that Robert, he, he's interviewed for hours on end, just like his brother Michael is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But they have not released, and I don't think they will release. They completely closed up his interrogation videos. But for Michael, even though he was 15 at the time, they completely let that out. And there's full interrogations videos, which is what I've been doing the past couple of days. Yeah, yep. But Michael sings like a canary. He tells them everything so calmly about everything that happened, everything that they were planning on doing. So this is when Michael reveals that their plan, but he says it's more Robert's plan, that he was just going along with it. Because at one point he said... He was going to do it either way. And he also said that if I didn't do it with him, he was going to kill me too. But he helped him. Even though he's at this point in the interrogation saying it's all Robert's idea. The idea, regardless of whose it was, the idea, the plan was to kill the family with knives and not guns because it would have been quieter because they were in a neighborhood. They didn't want to draw attention And then from there, they planned on dismembering all the family members, putting them in plastic bins and up in the attic, then taking the parents' Yukon XL and start driving across the country, stopping at gas stations and rest stops, and killing five people at each location, and then moving on until they got to about 500. Their end location was Washington State. What? Yeah,
0: five hundred. Yeah, that's the magic number. That's what they wanted to get. Then to. what happens?
1: That they just—they to go Anthony. live with Slenderman or they, something. <laughs> they even talked about what press would come of this. They talked about whether or not, like, maybe we're gonna get a movie made about us or shows made about us.
0: They do know that they don't get any of that money, right? Right.
1: I, you know, I don't even know if they did it for that. Hey. But they just wanted to be infamous killers. And they what wanted a strange goal. They even wanted to have a Wikipedia page about them. And what I think is really funny is that whoever Wikipedia whoever started the Wikipedia page did not call it like the Beber Brothers murders or, you know, Michael and Robert Beber, whatever. It's called the Broken Arrow Killings. Um, so they're not like you know their name is not the headliner on it, and that's not what they wanted, but nonetheless, they wanted to become famous. They wanted to be more notorious than what we said, like Columbine or. Um, well, they are famous. They but, are I famous, mean, but well, <laughs> kind of right. Some of you, hopefully, this is the first time you're hearing about this. This is the first time I'm hearing about
0: this. I just feel like that, like, escalated so quickly.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. It went off the deep It wasn't like,
0: oh, they had been abused and there was a head trauma or something like that. It was just like,
1: so one day they woke up and started killing their family. Yeah. So the reason that they did it the day they did it was because even though... Robert had been ordering all this stuff like the bulletproof vests and the helmets into the house from eBay and the mom and the dad thought it was weird but never really told him no. They just kind of let him do his thing because he's 18 years old now. The day that he knew the ammo was going to arrive, he knew that his parents were going to have questions. So that's why the day came and they chose the day before so that they could get the ammo question-free. Oh, God. So their plan was to get get in the Yukon, and really funny fact, the detective, while he's in the interrogation, he goes, well, you know, who was going to do the driving? Mm-hmm. And Michael says, well, Robert has a, a learner's permit. And and the, and the detective asked him, well, can you drive? Like, if you had to drive, if you had to get behind a wheel, could you do it? He's like, no, I don't know how to drive. And so it's just really... It's this contrast of doing really big adult things and, like, not even being able to do basic teenage stuff. Also,
0: the fact that they pick the person with the driver's license to follow the law right? or the owner's permit to, you know, arguably follow the law versus he's like, oh, no, I can't drive. I'm not allowed to. I don't have anything. Exactly. It's
1: like, (laughs) I don't want to break the law and drive without a license. Right. So in the house they found, and this was after you know, search warrants were given and everything for the house. They found an assortment of knives, hatchets, different types of bladed weapons, all types of protective gears for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Before this all happened, before July 22nd, the boys had actually started kind of getting rid of the stuff in their house that they knew they wouldn't need anymore, like toys and clothes. They started Marie condoing their house and like, they were giving stuff away to Goodwill and whatnot because they knew they weren't going to be there anymore. It's weird. So it's just their stuff. Just their stuff. They started just emptying out their house, liquidating their rooms for no reason. So the actual interrogation itself is just super interesting to see this 15-year-old guy just very matter-of-fact tell the cops what happened So he lays it all out, just person by person, what happened in that house, and how at first he only admits to Christopher, which is the seven-year-old that was in the bathroom. And he's, again, he's so just matter-of-factly says, like, yeah, I, I knocked on the door and I told him that I needed help. That's how I knew he would open the door. And so he deceived him in the worst way possible to get him to open the door betrayed his little brother yeah you know when it once it got to court it got really interesting more well it got interesting but Mike uh Robert because he's 18 years old obviously could be charged as an adult mm-hmm. and at this point Crystal she is a surviving member yeah of the actual attack mm-hmm. so they opted to not put her on the stand yeah and to not put her on the stand. Robert actually pleaded guilty to okay, 5 counts of murder, first degree murder, and then one count of assault, aggravated assault against Crystal with attempt to murder or something like that because she didn't die. Yeah. So, he was given 5 life sentences all to be served con- consecutively. And he was kind of fine with that. There was no trial. No, She was not going to be put on the stand. You know, that was to avoid Crystal putting, being put on the stand and whatnot. Well, so he
0: pleaded guilty so his sister wouldn't have to testify. Yep. That's a weird time to start to, like, well, protect her. It
1: was... Yeah, right. Um, it was a plea deal that had a couple benefits for him. So, a, He wouldn't be executed. Right. He wouldn't be given death. So... That was the one upside, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, of that for him. My goal, because he was 15, I think by the time that the trial rolled around, he was 16. In Oklahoma law, because if you're charged with first degree at 16, 17, you could be charged as an adult. Yeah. They definitely charged him as an adult. Um, but his defense was rescinding most of the stuff that he said on videotape for the interrogation. He was trying to put more of the blame on Robert, on the eighteen year old. Yeah, he was the master planning be- behind this. That you know he was coerced. That he was threatened with his life. That if he didn't yeah. cooperate or if he didn't help, that he would be killed. Um, at the end of the day, unfortunately, they had to put Crystal on the stand
0: for his for trial. his trial. Okay,
1: and it's so
0: really quick, Crystal and Autumn are the only siblings that made it out? Yes. That's terrible.
1: Yep. So a 13-year-old and a 2-year-old. Oh Yeah. So they had to put 13-year-old Crystal on the stand to testify against her brother, and she did. Very brave young girl. Obviously, this was not a televised event because of that one thing. And then just gruesome, gruesome details. And um, ultimately he was sentenced as well for five life sentences. So sure. he was given five life sentences, just like an adult would. When you do adult crimes, you're gonna mm-hmm. get adult time. So, the house... Put that on
0: a t-shirt.
1: <laughs> you do adult crimes. commit adult crimes,
0: do adult time. Absolutely.
1: So, the house, um, obviously it was not something that was gonna... Get on the market and get sold, it was very unappealing in the market because of five, right. You know, quintuple murder happened in this house. Um, not fun fact, but just a fact you should know. I know we've talked about matricide before, this is familicide, you know, okay, just a little tidbit there. So, the house was standing there uh, completely alone from 2015 when the killings happened to 2017. When, I don't know. It could have been lightning. It could have been someone with gasoline. The house burned down. <laughs> so
0: probably for the best. That,
1: right. Yeah. I would have given someone five bucks for gasoline. If yeah. You ask me. So the house burned down in two thousand seventeen. The mortgage company that owned the house. They eventually, because they knew that that whole lot was going to be completely unappealing to people to buy on or to buy the house they sold the house as as it was for $50,000 so the community raised $50,000 to technically buy the lot and buy the the house. They no, just, the house is still standing. Well, the frame of it, I'm sure, but they bulldozed it down. And they started plans of fundraising again for doing a park in memoriam of the victims. Wow, that's so, really
0: nice. What a nice HOA. Yeah. So in
1: 2019, with all the donations and all the planning that had gone into it, they erected Reflection Park. And like I mentioned at the beginning, because there was a park connected to their backyard, they just joined them together. So now mm-hmm. it's a little bit bigger park for the community. Oh, well, that's nice. And it's now it now serves as a migration stop for Monarch butterflies. Butterf- flies oh just really cool Robert in his interview even though the we don't have the footage or like we do for Michael's interview we do have some snippets or just quotes uh, and he did say that killing people and the idea of going around the country and killing people that he thought served no purpose in the community made him feel like a god ew yeah
0: in prison. yeah,
1: So again, Robert, in 2016, he attempted suicide in the jail. Um, he was not successful. And in I believe 2018 or nineteen, he grabbed an eight inch sharp instrument and he attacked three people in the jail, three different Sheesh. staff members. So he was given another three life sentences on top of his five. Wait, did he kill them? No.
0: But he was given life sentences for attacking
1: them? Well, it's not, they didn't, I guess, put out into the public the severity of injuries or whether they were fine or if they passed or whatnot. All we know as a public is that he was given three more life sentences on top of it.
0: Oh my gosh, What is what happened to this kid yeah.
1: to make him go so evil? So there's nothing as far as uh, documented, as far as Reason. abuse yeah. or w- what was it that made them snap or, or go this to this extreme. A lot of, there was a lot of forensic um, psychologists that interviewed these kids to try and figure out reason, the diagnosis, you know, is there a diagnosis? Is there something that's going on with them that Mm -hmm. made them get to this point? And the interview that I saw from the psychologist, he said, you know, we try and figure out what is a diagnosis, but sometimes there isn't one. Right. Sometimes you're just evil. Sometimes there just isn't a cause. You just are. Yeah. And there is no documentation, no records of any type of Physical, verbal, uh, sexual abuse.
0: There are, like, I mean, you could be a psychopath or a sociopath or a narcissist or something like that. That's just, it's just, that's just so unfortunate.
1: And, you know, a lot of articles attribute their disposition on society and just how they viewed the outside world as a negative because of their confinement. And because they were homeschooled and they weren't allowed to explore the real world by themselves. And
0: learn how to navigate, all that
1: kind of right. stuff. Right. They were only allowed to do so on computers and do so with online gaming. And so the dark web
0: was their entertainment.
1: I think so. You know, so it's... And Robert, the old older one, is the only one that ever ever even mentioned the idea of like oh my parents were mean to us or my parents yeah. were whatever because in the interrogation for Michael the uh, the detective was really straight up and he goes why did you do this you know he's like I know teenagers usually don't get along with their parents or they don't like their parents he goes is that the case here he goes no no that's everything was fine there and it could have been of course that he was not ready to talk about something but yeah. nothing has come up even after that, about any type of abuse that happened within the family.
0: It's interesting because they probably tried to limit their hobbies and interests and they found... Others. They found one anyway. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just, I hate that. And as they were interrogating Michael, he knew a lot of the details about... Like the Columbine shooting. He knew the exact number of people that were injured and killed in that event. He knew their names. He knew their names. He was referring to the killers by their names. So he tries to say, or tried to say, that this was all Robert's doing and that this was completely influenced by Robert. But at some point, he was retaining that information as well. And it seemed like it was some sort of entertainment for him as well. So... Yeah. It's reported that they would just stay up long, like night hours, watching videos on these people and just watching all these things. I'm like, I go on re- deep rabbit holes myself, but I'm not trying to emulate and like beat them. No, I'm just fascinated. So, but for such a young, moldable brain and mind, you know, and I someone mean, who doesn't have real world experience and doesn't yeah. have other kids to know, like, hey, this isn't normal or. You know, they're not playing yeah. dodgeball in the schoolyard to get their mind off of that. And, and you
0: have a personality disorder, potentially.
1: Potentially. Yeah. I mean, because... It they, sounds like they, they're not mentally
0: ill, but they obviously have a personality effect. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, the fact that they even asked him, like, hey, how are you feeling about this now? How, you know, are you, are you sad? Are you remorseful? He goes, yeah, you know, maybe we should have, shouldn't have done it.
0: Yeah, that's not and, normal.
1: I think they just didn't, well, at least for the two-year-old, they didn't get to her because the cops knocked on the door. So it wasn't like they spared her. Right. No, Michael was saying that it was because um, they knew time was running out. Yeah. And they kind of just forgot about her. But their plan was to kill the entire family and put them in bins, put them at the attic, and then just go on their 500-person murder spree. Rampage, right. That's so so... And apparently Robert only had about $1,800 set aside. He thought that would have been enough gas money to get them cross-country. Um, no, but <laughs> that's what they thought. So it's just weird to see these... I mean, one of them's really young, one of them's 18, but it's still a growing, developing mind, like, how they're thinking they're going to get away with this and how they're thinking this through. Um, It's just really, really odd. Uh, Yeah. It does sound to
0: me that they do, like, they obviously have markers for, like, both sociopathic tendencies and psychopathic tendencies. Yeah, Especially, like, you're sitting there talking about, like,
1: well, I mean, kind of, maybe kind we shouldn't of have, bad,
0: yeah, right. it doesn't sound like they actually yeah. do, they're just saying that because they're yeah. supposed to.
1: And I think that fire was fueled by not necessarily the homeschooling, because yeah. I don't want to knock on that. I mean, I, I've known no, a lot no, of homeschooled being, kids, yeah. but, you know, even now we know home I know homeschooled kids, but the kids, the parents will still try and, and get them... Social interactions, right? And try to get them to play with other kids and just have that, yeah, um, be socially healthy. And I don't think they had this.
0: Yeah, and that's not to say that that's what fueled it or what caused it, but it sounds like for well, isolation.
1: Their, well, well, yeah, know. but I'm saying for
0: like their personality type, it yeah. probably compounded an existing issue that was already right. there. Right. Like you that can be inclined and... towards something, and your circumstances push you more towards that. Yeah.
1: And apparently this movie just threw them off the deep end. Right. Because there were other kids in that house that were
0: isolated and antisocial too. But they're not murdering their entire family. Right. I don't know. COVID kids need to get back in school. This is the risk. (laughs) Yeah. Right.
1: God. Yeah. If you have a principal that's on the edge, (laughs) send them them this episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Portland Public Schools, that means you. (laughs) Got a new school shutting down every week.
1: So of course they're both still in prison. They were not housed at the same prison because they're co-conspirators, so they were not allowed to be together. That's it. I think that's it. Oh that's gosh, a that's crazy insane. case, isn't it? Yeah. Can you imagine if they'd if if the twelve year old had not gotten to that phone and gotten a nine one one call out?
0: Yeah, the entire family would be dead.
1: They would have all been dead, first yep. of all. And not saying that they would have made it all the way from Oklahoma to Washington and killed five hundred uh,
0: people, but, but
1: they would have at least done one stop. Who knows what would you have know? happened? Yeah, right. yeah. So it could have been, or
0: you know, the oldest could have turned on the fifteen-year-old, and, right. and I don't know. It's just yeah, yeah. That's weird. We both did cases this these last two weeks of families with stabbings. Yeah, they did. kind of. I mean, does yeah. an axe count? Yeah, sharp objects.
1: Yeah, yeah, knifey things. Knifey things, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And they planned on after they took the Yukon XL, after they had stuffed their family members into plastic bins, go to the gun shop, pick up the guns because the ammo would have been the next in the next day. They just wanted to do it all calmly, like a Sunday morning. Just pick yeah, up the take ammo. Take their time. Just take their time. Go to the gun club, pick it up, and then just just get the beef jerky and get on the road. Like <laughs> no. Weird. No. So, luckily for canines, I found them right away. Those doggies saved the day again.
0: You know, there is a really good TED Talk of um, the mom of one of the Columbine shooters. Uh, let me see if I can find it, actually, really quick. Because um, that's making me think of, like, warning signs and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, red flags. Hello. Um, I mean, uh, sorry. If your kid is ordering bulletproof vests... Yes, and that's a red flag. ...and... They tell you, don't worry about it, Mom. Worry about it, Mom.
0: Yeah, so her son was Dylan. Mm-hmm. Um, a, Klebold, I think is how you pronounce the last name. I can never remember if it's Klebold or Klebold. Um, so it's Susan Klebold who de- did a TED Talks about okay. my son is the is a Columbine shooter, Damn. basically. And she talks about, like, the things that she, like, her... Experience as a mother, Inside. her experience with grieving, her experience as grieving as somebody that had lost a kid, but also had th- their kid, was, kid the was the reason. perpetrator. Yeah, and then talked about like warning signs because people always ask her about like, didn't you see the signs? And she said like she was like horribly mistreated. Obviously, yeah. people blamed her. Um, and what what she missed and what she could or could or couldn't have known and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, which was really interesting to hear about, like from her direct perspective of like, what could I have done differently? Right. What should I have recognized? What couldn't I have recognized? That kind of stuff. Right.
1: I mean, hindsight is full of red flags. Yeah. When you don't but think you don't about see that, that. They tried to appeal it, of course, the five life yeah. sentences, trying to say that it was unconstitutional and inhumane for uh, what was, quote unquote, a child to get consecutive life sentences it was you know they, they, they i've never was...
0: quite understood the difference between one life sentence and five life sentences and they're so, all like, served at the same time yeah too. like so what, if not... you, what if you what so what if you did one life sentence either way you're being well, you're saying, in there for life
1: and we've talked about this in other cases that because it's a life sentence they're trying to say that it's unconstitutional or inhumane because it's uh, basically giving someone the death penalty but yeah. if the crime calls for it there are certain states that have outlawed if you are
0: of a certain, certain age, age you can't be given
1: more than the a certain license. amount right yeah so or something that would unequivocally be a life sentence like yeah. 90 years or right. you know yeah. something like that so but something
0: else i have mixed feelings about cuz there is I part of me that do. like i hear stuff like this and i'm like I don't, I don't think there is hope for somebody like that to transition back into a society, right. especially 50 years later when everything's changed. Right. But then there's part of me that goes, but he's a kid. He's a kid. I like to think people are capable of change. I really do. I genuinely like to think Even that people Even from things are, like that, though? I'd I like to think that humanity is better than that. I'd like to think that miracles can yeah. happen like that, but. I don't know.
1: Maybe I'm wrong.
0: Supposedly Tex Watson is a changed man, but he's never getting out. Right.
1: I mean, even though he had only confessed to stabbing Christopher after he opened the bathroom door, it eventually came out that he stabbed his mom as well. Yeah. So he participated in that one as well. Um, And even while he was in the ditch, he tried telling Robert that he was going to take responsibility for another one so they would have an equal amount. It's disgusting. So that's it. That's the case of the Bever family in Broken. Actually, no. That's the case of the Broken Arrow Massacre. Thank you for that. Yeah.
0: I like the way you named that there at the end. All right. Okay. Well, happy holiday shopping to everybody.
1: Yay. I
0: love shopping. I know you do. Yeah. Yeah. You know.
1: Fun time. Anything else? I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. Let us know how you feel about a 15 year old or 16 year old getting consecutive life sentences if he should have a chance to appeal. His appeal did not go through. Um, and it was a 3 2 vote with the jury. Interesting. Okay. So it was, there were some people on the other side of the fence. Bleeding hearts like myself.
0: <laughs> I feel bad for, I like, Fatal flaw. Yep, yeah. <laughs> I do. I have a bleeding heart for people that might not necessarily deserve it. So, yeah. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.